are you doing? You're completely outnumbered here. Are you nuts? You want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts. Because I just wrote a song about how I'm going to kick all your butts. Stop him before he starts singing. In the darkest night. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this is the main event. Welcome back to the new TNN podcast feed for Junkman, Batman and Robin, episode three. Wow. Now, fans, I'm Johnny C. As usual, if you don't know what's going on here, why don't you know? Why haven't you listened to Batman and Robin Part 1 and Batman and Robin Part 2? But if you have, you know the scoop. Johnny C. watched Batman and Robin, as he traditionally does on episodes of John Command, when we're talking about a movie here, and uh, he got a little long-winded, he did. Uh, Who was I, by the way? And uh, I didn't cut anything, and I broke it into little digestible pieces, but we've come to it, ladies and gentlemen. The third act of the amazing, glorious 1997 Joel Schumacher film, Batman and Robin. Now, a little inside baseball for anybody that cares. Uh, after I cut this bad boy together, I, I chopped out the last minute or two. Because I was rambling on for so long that I was kind of ready to be done. But I'm going to tell you right now, after the discussion of the movie continues... I've tacked on a conclusion for all of us here. Uh, You know, because I've had a little bit of distance removed from the conversation, and I will render the final verdict of whether or not Batman and Robin is junk. But I'm not going to delay any further. I want to get right into this bad boy. If you will recall, when we left, Poison Ivy and Mr. Freeze have unified as one and decided to freeze. Gotham City. Maybe R. Kelly will protect us. A city of justice. Woo! A city of love. A city where we can piss on every one of us, allegedly. We all need it. Woo! Can't live without it. Gotham City. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Part three. Now, while Poison Ivy and Mr. Freeze have plenty to celebrate about at this time, there are no revels to be had at stately Wayne Manor. Alfred appears to be bedridden while Dick and Barbara look on, and an old doctor has made it official. Alfred has stage one of McGregor syndrome. I'm sorry. All we can do is make him comfortable. And watch him die. Oh, and try to avoid his penis. Now that he has Ewan McGregor syndrome, he'll start flashing it to everyone. But, uh, good day. My bill will be forthcoming in the mail. Another nice, quiet moment, though, away from Alfred's flashing and the sad doctor. Bruce Wayne watches from the shadows. He does a walk and talk then with Dick Grayson. And Dick's all like, McGregor syndrome, that's what Freeze's wife has. 
Bruce reiterates that Mr. Freeze did cure a case like Alfred's, but he was unable to stop it from progressing further. So, like, if it gets past stage one, eh, you're kind of fucked. But wait a minute, pause! Pause, pause, pause. For Mr. Freeze to know that his vaccine worked against stage one of McGregor syndrome, he would have had to have done some sort of human trials, correct? I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I'm assuming human trials is a big part of this. How did he get a volunteer? It's 1997. Did he post a want ad on an old school chat room? Or perhaps he maybe went to full money and purchased a website from GeoCities to catch those early online adopters? Well, he did have that frog thos- Frosty. Perhaps Frosty was some sort of a tech guru. And, you know, down in the hideout, uh, Mr. Freeze's ice cream lair, maybe they had a little conversation. Frosty sitting at the keyboard, typing away. All right, Frosty, make the GeoCity page. Good. Come on, type faster. All right, good. Now, here is the address that I want. Freeze away, McGregor Syndrome, stage one. Or less dot com. What do you mean that's not gonna work? Okay, wait, okay, it has it has to say GeoCities, okay. Frosty, make it geocities.com slash freeze away McGregor syndrome stage one or less dot com. Oh I, I only need one dot com. It needs a what's a geolocator? Why do I have to have a geolocator? What's it gonna be? Okay, hold on. So the web address will be geocities.com slash gc slash freezeaway McGregor syndrome on stage one or less dot com. All right, do it, come on. Hit enter, buy it. All right, good. What? What do you mean it's taken? Someone has already registered the URL. But it's so specific. What would have caused someone to purchase it in anticipation of such a need? All right, fuck this, Frosty. Let's go kidnap an old guy from the hospital and inject him with this blue shit. I mean, it could have happened that way. Bruce then tells Dick that he's got to head off to the telescope dedication, and then he's going to go after Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy. Alone. Oh, like hell you are. Secret awesome George Clooney moment here in response to Dick Grayson's like hell you are. Bruce turns and points at Dick Grayson and says, Dick, don't push me right now. Bruce is hanging on by the sheerest of fucking threads, okay? His father, part two, is about to die, and he's not in control of his mental facilities because Poison Ivy has dug her hooks into him. In a better movie, Bruce Wade is about to fucking snap. Dick's convinced that Bruce wants to go after the villains alone so he can capture Poison Ivy and then fuck her, I guess. Come on, Bruce, it's written all over your face. You can't stop thinking about her. Yes, Dick, that's the whole point. She's clearly poisoned our minds. We're the optimal target. Like, duh, Dick, that's what I'm trying to tell you. I don't care about what you say, Bruce. It's time for me to come out of your shadows. I want my own Robin signal in the sky. Now, I don't generally support Batman and Robin coming to fisticuffs, but since Dick is clearly of age, a nice swift knee to the nose could be sufficient here. You know, bleeding, busting him up real nice, putting some circles under his eyes, letting Dick remember his place every time he looks in the mirror. Oh, but that's okay. It doesn't actually come to that. Now, Barbara is sitting with Alfred 
She's all like, I'm sorry, I was too late, Uncle Alfred. Alfred, sensing the need to pass on his legacy, pulls the CD-ROM with all the secrets from under his pillow and hands it to Barbara. Find Wilfred. Only family can be trusted with the secrets. What's it? What is it, Uncle Alfred? What's on the CD? Awesome Michael Go delivery. And again, r- broken record, awesome quiet moment in this film. It is the sacred bond of two brave men that I have had the privilege of calling son. But I implore you, never open it. Because, you know, she d- he doesn't want Barbara to be exposed to all the secrets with it and have to live with the knowledge. Uh, I saw the director's cut of this film, so as she walks away, there's a deleted line where Alfred says, Oh, Barbara, wait. If you do happen to open the CD-ROM and get a good look at all the files, look closely at the titles before you judge me. All of the videos say step-niece, so it's not my, a real niece. Oh, I'm dying of McGregor Syndrome, Barbara. And all I want to do is have one night with my step-niece. Oh, God, that's terrible. Uh, Now we cut to the Naked Man Gotham Observatory. We've been here before. We're back again. Now, it does raise the question, Academy Award-winning screenplay writer Akiva Goldsman, we had the unveiling of the telescope. Now we're having a dedication? All right, fine, whatever. It's like a big party, you know, there's people there there's they've got waiters they're serving drinks there's balloons and everybody's happy gossip gertie's there and oh no julie madison is here too fuck me sideways director joel schumacher accidentally excused her earlier when i thought that was a wrap on l mcpherson oh my god oh my god stop stop i need to call l mcpherson to get her on set hello l it's joel schumacher sweetie no, no, um, you know, I'm editing together the picture, and I think I need you back for one more scene. No, sweetie, I know I gave you kisses on the cheek and said love ya. I know that's a sacred bond between two people, but please, I'm really in a bind here. Ooh. And I guess Elbic McPherson agreed to come back. Commissioner Gordon's here as well. He says hello to Bruce Wayne and Julie. Uh, if you watch actor Pat Hingle, he absolutely gets a good look, Costanza, at Elle McPherson's Bustier bosoms. It's Pat Hingle for you, I suppose. But after he gets a good look, he immediately hunts down a waiter to get some booze. Pamela Isley is here, though, and she loved us, Commissioner Gordon. Say, I've always wondered where that big bat signal is. I mean, is it really a secret? Batman clearly works in conjunction with the police. And it's up high. Well, police headquarters looks like a huge gothic church here in Gotham City. I mean, it's on top of police headquarters, right? Commissioner confirms. Why, it's on top of police headquarters. Oh, wow. But I bet a person like you couldn't even get into it. Young lady, I'm the police commissioner. You know, because he's horny now and he's trying to show off. I bet you don't even know how to turn that big light on, Commissioner. Oh, young lady, I once saved an entire platoon of men from dying a frozen lung by raising a lever. I'll have you know it was my idea to turn on the bat signal with a lever. Well, the first one he sent us had a button, but it was too tidy for my fat fingers, so I installed a lever. 
I've got the keys right here. Would you like to go see it? Now, Ivy loved Dust Gordon one more time. And in the context of the film, it's like the 46th time we've seen her love Dust someone. Why do we have to have this big slow-mo shot of her into the camera? It's very unnecessary. But the love dust scatters and Bruce catches a whiff. He's like, I can smell that bitch. Oh, yeah, there she is. But Poison Ivy gets the key to the bat signal. Who are you, dear lady? Commissioner Gordon wants to know. Ivy leans in for a poison kiss, but pauses, thinks better of it. On second thought, you're way too old for me. Oh, she runs away. Commissioner Gordon begs to be touched. No, no, I'm not. I have Benjamin Button syndrome. I just turned 18. I've been playing Gotham for a fool. Please come back. Bruce is distracted by the love dust. Julie's like, hey, come on. Show me how the satellites work. Remember, Bruce is hanging from a fucking thin line here. And he's like, God damn it, Julie. I don't have a week to explain this to you, you dumb bitch. I'm out of here. Oh, that's terrible. He wouldn't really say that. Back in Poison Ivy's hideout, Mr. Freeze is ready. He's got a fresh cachet of diamonds, his suit's fully powered, and the hockey thugs that are still alive are pumped up doing the O'Doyle rules with their hockey sticks. They've got the freezing engine, and it's time to freeze Gotham. Mr. Freeze line, number 45. First, I will turn Gotham into an icy graveyard. Then, I will pull Batman's heart from his body. And feel it freeze in my hands. Uh, <laughs> revenge! Now again, forgive me for saying an unkind work about Academy Award winning screenplay writer Akiva Goldsman, but this is basically the exact same thing that Mr. Freeze said with Freeze line number 43. And that was literally in the last scene that Mr. Freeze was in. But maybe, maybe at night, his Oscar talks to him and shares secrets about screenplay writing that you and I can't understand. So, hey, maybe I'm thinking too much about it. Bane and Poison Ivy arrive at police headquarters. For some reason, the bat signal is already turned on. Is there some sort of crisis we're not privy to? Bane rips the light from above the ground and hoists it above his body. In a better movie, this is a boss moment. I mean, if Tom Hardy's Bane is doing this to the Bat-Signal, it'd be sweet. Like he shows up and he's like, Yes, Gotham City now belongs to the people. The badge, the cascades across the sky, signaling allegiance to the Batman is no more. <laughs> this bomb is mobile, by the way. The signal is mobile. I'm carrying it everywhere I go like a badge of honor. Uh, but, you know, there was no bat signal in Bane's Gotham City in The Dark Knight Rises because they'd already severed ties with the Batman, so it couldn't really happen. But if it did, it would be pretty chilling. This movie, not the case, because the whole time that Bane is ripping the signal out of the ground, Jeep Swenson, the actor, has decided to scream the whole time, so it just sounds like he's trying to pass a hard shit. Now, back at Stately Wayne Manor, Barbara Wilson has betrayed the dying wish of her beloved Uncle Alfred, and she's picked open the lock that's on the CD case. She's about to hack the web. She feels entitled. She's like, well, I'm family, right? Now, we know that she's about ready to hack the web because she's wearing Alfred's glasses now because, you know, you need the glasses to hack the web. 
But as far as hacking scenes go, ladies and gentlemen, this is the absolute bottom of the barrel. It's the antithesis of Swordfish. You all know Swordfish, starring Hugh Jackman, John Travolta, Don Cheadle, and Halle Berry. Which contains the greatest hacking scene in the history of cinema. I mean, Barbara only has one keyboard. She only has one monitor. How are we, the audience, to know that she's really doing a tough hack? Stanley Jobson, Hugh Jackman, had like 17 monitors and 45 keyboards. We knew he was hacking the net. Because at one point he was stretched out, like, typing with his toes and his hands. And he's like, come on, baby, come on, baby, I'm hacking. Yeah! And he also had a really bombastic score. 50,000 watts of funkery. 50,000 watts of funkery. And he was getting loaded with some wine. Babs doesn't have any of that. There's no, come on, baby, come on, baby. It's absent of all that. What do we have? We have a prompt on screen that says Alfred CT. There's a form for the password entry and a little numeric counter for try. Let you know how many times you've tried. Her first attempt at hacking the web, password, Alfred. (laughs) Now, the password prompt logo or window that I just described contains only seven words. One of them is Alfred. I would hope the disc that holds the secrets of the entire world of Batman and Robin would be greater protected to not have the password be one of the seven words on display. Luckily, a voice says, access denied. So it's not Alfred. Password attempt number two. Wayne. Okay. Access denied. (laughs) Damn it. Keep hacking that web, Babs. I'll get the wine. Now, jokes done. For just a moment, Bruce Wayne has returned. He sits at Alfred's bedside. I spent my entire life trying to beat back death. Everything I've done, everything I'm capable of doing. But I can't save you. There's no defeat in death, Master Bruce. Victory comes in defending what we know is right while we still live. Bruce Wayne, George Clooney, the actor, is on the verge of tears. He has a small flashback to Alfred reading him a bedtime story in the same room as a youngster, comforting him in his most vulnerable moments after having witnessed his family be murdered in front of him. Bruce and Alfred share a smile. I love you, old man. And I love you too. Bruce breaks. He cries and kisses Alfred on the cheek. Alfred dies. Okay. Serious time over. Alfred doesn't die, but he should. This should be the moment. And again, in a better movie, this is the clip reel you play for award season. This is a awesome quiet moment with George Clooney portraying Bruce Wayne and Al- and Michael Goh portraying Alfred. It's just a bummer. It sits nuzzled in between. I miss the white Christmas. I miss the snow. And Barbara hacking the web and all the nonsense that's going to come soon. Take two of these and call me in the morning. Like all that shit. All right. It's a big sandwich. 
The bread is huge and tons of empty calories, but that thin slice of meat in the middle is this scene. And I just want that to be clear to everyone that's listening, or that's still listening, Jesus. Because, yeah. Back at the computer, access denied. Well, this better be one hell of a secret. All right, Babs, what do you got for us? Next attempt, England. Not that. Now, unfortunately, the camera has zoomed in on the password form directly, and we can no longer see how many tries she's had. Oh, what's wrong? The fucking programmers couldn't figure out how to fake it for the movie. Now, she looks at the picture of her own mother that's nuzzled next to Alfred's desk 24-7. It's always here. This picture, it lives here. Anyone that walks into Alfred's room can see it. Dick. Bruce. Barbara. Julie Madsen, maybe. You think Julie's sneaking in for some late-night Alfred? When Bruce goes out at night and she wakes up, Bruce is gone. Alfred, I'm ready. Oh, dear Mistress Julie. I'm ready, too. (laughs) Actually, we're going to stop there. But she tries Margaret. Nope. She looks back at the picture, seeking wisdom. Oh, the camera zooms in on the tiny portion of the picture where she signed it. And it says, love, Peg. Wait a minute. Two seconds ago, the camera showed us this exact picture and there was no signature. This has always bothered me, even since the days of my youth. Even the first time I saw it in the theater, I said, wait a minute. They just showed the picture and it didn't say love, Peg. And now it does. She tries Peg. Three characters. No numeric values, no special characters. P-E-G. Computer's response, access allowed. Wait, access allowed? Do we have to pay extra to get her to say access granted? Oh, well, that's fine. But it's true, the web has been hacked. She now has access, but it's very weird. The screen starts to flash some images. And for some reason, the projection of the video on the computer monitor screen is so powerful that we can see the projection flashed across Barbara's face in reverse. Holy shit, what is this monitor? She, that beat Barbara, is, you know, you know, Speed 2, you know, Willem Dafoe's got those leeches to suck the cancer out of his blood because he sat at a computer screen for 20 years? Barbara is going to need them leeches because I don't know what this monitor is doing, but she's definitely getting cancer from it. She sees blueprints for the Red Bird, the Bat Boat, the Bat Wing, all the design specs for the uniforms of Batman and Robin. But how is this data to be interpreted if you can't control the flow of data? Shit's just flying across the screen. You really think Wilfred, who's been living in a traveling court in Maharaja, is going to know what to do with this disc? Finally, though, all is revealed. Because the screen turns red, the Batman logo flies from the top, the Robin logo from the bottom, they meet in the middle and form the Batman and Robin logo, the exact logo to the film we're watching. So it appears that this isn't the actual data that we're looking at. It appears that Alfred was not only a butler, mechanic, seamstress, part-time programmer, but he's a bit of an amateur filmmaker. Because this is simply the intro video that plays whenever you access the files. I guess 
It's the only way to explain this. We always knew that Alfred had a flair for the dramatics, but this is a touch too far. Eh, opposite side of that coin, though. It's too bad Alfred's dying, because based on this little thing, he might have had himself a future in advertising. But now, Barbara Wilson, niece of Alfred, is aware that Alfred knows the identities of Batman and Reuben. It's unconfirmed if she's put together that Batman and Robin are Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson at this point, but hey, she just cracked this thing open. Let's give her some time to really dig in. And now, in an example of the gift that keeps on giving, Mr. Freeze has patrolled around Gotham City in his fucking silver dildo car, and he's ready to get the main event underway. He has discovered the perfect conduit for what he calls his freezing engine. He's looking up at the naked man in the sky that we know as the Gotham Observatory. Oh, and by the way, guess who's riding shotgun with Mr. Freeze? It's Bane! Or is Mr. Freeze is taking to calling him Mr. Bane? Is that like a side effect of Freeze getting all nuked up with the, with the fucking freezing solution? He's got some sort of tick where he calls everybody Mr. I used to be a doctor, but now I'm Mr. Freeze. Hello, Mr. Batman, Mr. Robin, Mr. Commissioner Golden. You'll never lock me in the cooler. I don't know. I mean, it could be. But he could make a hell of a singing career out of it. I know what I want, and I want it now. I want to freeze the city with my friend, Mr. Bane. He is going to help me out and make me sing my song. Nothing could go wrong, because I've got Mr. Bane, Mr. Bane. Mr. Freeze Line 46. The combined power of the telescope's reflecting crystals will complete my freezing engine. Yes. Bane growls, and Freeze adds to his line, No matter what they tell you, Mr. Bane, it is the size of your gun that counts. <sighs> gun, repeats Bane. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Johnny C., I have to interrupt the proceedings. I do not approve of this idiotic, moronic portrayal of Bane. After all, I'm also Bane. I'm a very intelligent version of Bane. This is blatant anti-Bane propaganda that the fathers and founders of Gotham City have produced in order to take down my revolution. I've given Gotham to the people. I freed them from the constructs of their everyday scenarios. Go. Live your lives. Harvey Dent! Bane, I cannot do another Harvey Dent speech. Please, okay? I know all about him. I know about the lies. I know what he's done to you. I know what he's done to the city. I know what he's done to the Batman. Just please, can we go one day without a Harvey Dent speech? I was simply going to say that Harvey Dent had good taste in suits. Oh, well, I guess I can't disagree with that. He was buried in a suit, you see. Buried with lies. Lies about the criminality of Gotham City. Perpetuating lies about the Batman. All right, I'm just going to go wait in the car. You, you continue. The Nightwing light flashes in the sky. Or the Robin light, I guess it would be in this scenario. Bruce is watching from his observatory, and Robin has suited up. They speak in the Batcave. Where are you going? It's a Robin light, not a bat signal. 
I don't know why Robin suddenly sounds like Peter Griffin, but he kind of does in a way. It's a rabbit light. A bit bomb. Uh, Bruce, however, is the world's greatest detective, even though he didn't know why Dick was leaving. And after seeing Pamela Isley in disguise at the telescope party, he's drawn his conclusions. Her name is Pamela Isley. I saw her talking to Gordon. She must have stolen his keys and changed the signal. World's greatest detective. Yeah, she did it for me. She did it for love. She's infected us with some sort of pheromone extract, Dick. Oh, is that it, Bruce? I've been infected with some sort of magic spell? I'm assuming Dick didn't take the vaccine. Bruce Wayne with a boss line. She's trying to kill you, Dick. <laughs> That's his name, but he's also what he's acting like. You'd say anything to keep her from me. You once told me that being a team means trusting your partner and counting on someone else is the only way to win. You remember that? You weren't talking about a partner. You were talking about a family. And I know I was a novice in the ways of family. And it was kind of weird that Alfred said that to me like it's a casual thing you can say to someone in a normal sentence. You're still a novice in the ways of family. But I, I took his words to heart. So I'm asking you, friend, partner, brother, will you trust me now? Now this is kind of fun. Because as he's, I mean, look, this is a good little, again, take it where you can find it. This is not a bad little speech delivery sort of thing. Robin looks on, full in uniform. It's like a big hero shot, and the music's crescendoing, doing its thing. It's like, and it seems like Bruce and Dick may have reconnected. Of course, the problem I have with this conflict is that, in my opinion, if you're going to do a Batman-Robin arguing scenario... Batman usually needs to be the one that comes to trust Robin and not the other way around. Like, instead of Robin rebelling, he should be... Well, if you're going to have Robin rebel, it should be in order to show Bruce what he's capable of. Here, this is just... This movie's kind of just them arguing. You know, Batman needs to be the one to bring Robin into the fold. Robin doesn't need to be the one that acquiesces, acquiesces to Batman. And that's sort of what I feel like this is. Now, uh, let's get back to a man turning a telescope into a freezing gun, shall we? <laughs> At the telescope, we meet the technicians that are working the scope, making sure all the crystals are set up. They're, they're ready to look around the world, man. They look around the world and I, 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 I can't know what they're seeing. I think freeze is coming up and you always play your hate. And how about that P. Diddy scenario in like the mid-90s? Every fucking radio station you turned on had a different P. Diddy song with a different sample from a different 80s song. I guess one could argue that P. Diddy would take hits from the 80s. The Mace got... No, wait. No, God damn it. I fucked it up. The Mace got the latest. The Puff Drive Mercedes. I'll take hits from the 80s. I'll do what sounds so crazy. You could say that. I'm not going to, but you could say that. Um, it's a man and a woman, and we know they're scientists because they're wearing lab coats and there's some spooky theremin music, like... <laughs> Mr. Freeze enters the compound. Mr. Freeze line number 47. Hi! Oh, I'm sorry about the door. Is the party over? Now, ladies and gentlemen, the world does not take enough time to slow down and acknowledge great deliveries of shitty lines in feature films. But that's exactly what we're going to do right now. As the male scientist, confronted with Mr. Freeze and Bane, mind you, 
takes one look from up atop his perch, because they're standing on this elevated perch looking down on Freeze and Bane, looks directly nar the camera, and says with absolute amazing delivery, to the point where I absolutely believe that this character believes what he's saying, this male scientist says, Who is this nutball? And it's just the greatest delivery. The little elongated nut ball he gives it is just absolutely perfect. Upon being called a nut ball, Mr. Freeze freezes him. He then freezes the woman, and that is that. Now, I was fully prepared to rip this next moment apart, but I ended up thinking to myself, well, I guess it's kind of necessary. Bane is placing some glowing icicles near the base of the telescope. And every time he places them, he says one word. BOOM! But I didn't know what these blinking icicle light things were the first time I saw it. And he's letting me know they're bombs. So I guess it is necessary. I don't know about making Bane this stupid. Well, he's been pretty stupid so far. But he says it like five times. It gets kind of annoying. But it is what it is. Mr. Freeze rides the platform now and ascends to the telescope. The fucking coral Mr. Freeze theme is really... Laid it on thick. He's got the freezing engine in hand. Mr. Freeze line number 48. And this was a close call, but I had to include it. If revenge is a dish best served cold, then put on your Sunday finest. It's time to feast! He powers up the engine, the scope of the telescope, the iris of the telescope opens. The diamond powers the core. The freezing engine is ignited. Mr. Freeze Line 49, tonight, hell freeze is over. The telescope ices over and he's ready to fire. But in the Batcave, Barbara Gordon is rising up where the Batmobile used to be, and there's these these weird blue and red lights everywhere, kind of acting like security sensors, and she's just getting, you know, a look around, really taking things in, but an alarm goes off. A giant TV opens in the center of the Batcave. Again, as the giant TV opens, the officially licensed Batman and Robin logo is present. Alfred, marketing genius. Fucking, I said it before, I'm saying it again. Alfred's visage even appears on the screen and says, Intruder alert! Intruder alert! Intruder alert! Now, you might recall in Batman Forever, the Riddler breaks in, and it's just a generic, Intruder alert! Intruder alert! And Jim Carrey goes, Intruder alert! Intruder alert! Shut up! Now it's been upgraded to Alfred's voice. Now, what's absolutely amazing here, ladies and gentlemen, Barbara Wilson, genius of academia, Hacker of the net. Knowing full well, because she's feeling the emotionality of the real life scenario, she knows full well her uncle is upstairs, asleep, near death. Says to the television that has a picture of her uncle on it, Uncle Alfred, it's me, Barbara. But you know what? I guess it was warranted because Alfred on the TV replies, 
I expected you might find your way down here, child. As such, I programmed my brain owl, 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 algorithms into the bot computer and created a virtual sim sim simulation, not unlike that program from television, Max Headroom. <sighs> Pause. Okay. I don't know if y'all are familiar with the television program Max Headroom from the 80s. I think I saw it once. I remember the commercials. I remember he was trying to sell me some Pepsi. I don't really care. However, if you're not aware of this, fucking turn some lights on before I tell this story. Have you all ever heard of the Max Headroom guy or the Max Headroom incident? Now look. The world is a scary fucking place, okay? Uh, somebody makes a decision to do something... All, you know, somebody... Just go with me on this one, okay? Because I'm trying to tre- speak truthfully. Somebody plants a bomb somewhere, and it's fucking despicable and awful, and of course, like, why does this happen in the world? Usually, though, there's some kind of a reason. And I'm not saying that makes it good. What I'm saying is that, like... A part of your brain can rationalize, well, that person was just thinking, you know, this person was fucked up. They thought X, Y, Z to be true. It wasn't. Or they thought that this would accomplish this. And obviously sane people realize it doesn't, etc., etc. But you know what really terrifies me? When people do things that your brain can't come to some sort of an understanding of why. That's what the Max Headroom guy or Max Headroom incident is for me. This guy, like, hacked an old-school television channel uh, broadcast signal, dressed as Max Headroom and said some creepy shit. And it happened on some random day in some random fucking city to some random TV channel. And some fucker was videotaping Doctor Who off TV and they, they taped it and they kept it over these years and it's like a thing and it's on YouTube. You can watch it's real. Like, <laughs> that's funny. It's on YouTube. It's real. But it's like... It's just all happenstance that this incident even fucking lives in our popular cultural vernacular. And it frightens me to watch this video. What the fuck was this guy doing? This is a real life Riddler. I've talked on podcasts about how funny the Riddler is in the Batman when he's like, Hi everybody. Thanks for coming on the Riddler web chat. Hey, did you guys get your guns? Like, it's funny because Paul Dato's acting like a sane person. Like, the only time he could be normal is when he's around the other crazy Riddler people. And when he's dressed up like the Riddler, he's insane. Uh, And that's what makes the performance choice humorous. Because it's a fictional thing. This guy's not fictional! Okay? Just do yourself a favor. But fucking turn the lights on, man. And if you're not creeped out, fuck you, because I'm creeped out. Anywho, Barbara, remember her? She keeps talking to Uncle Alfred. I'd like to help Batman and Robin. I anticipated you would. And I took the liberty to create something in your size. See, Barbara, all those Stepney's videos really paid off. It was worth the time investing them and hiding them from you, child, because I now know your, know your exact measurements. Why do I sound like Bane? I'm supposed to be Alfred. Who cares at this point? Speaking of losing it. Suit me up, Uncle Alfred. Bum. So we have a Batgirl dressing up montage. Fair is fair. We had one for the boys. She's got her gloves, her belt. Her. She doesn't have a bat penis, though, or a bat vagina. The boys have a bat codpiece. Why doesn't she have a bat-like vagina armor pad? Hmm. She has heels. Really, Alfred? 
Really? You had to take it that far? She has heels on her boots? We see her butt. Fair is fair. We saw the boys' butts. Oh, we see her put the mask on. She's rocking the domino mask shades of a Dick Grayson. You know what, though? I was going to say this one's not fair, but it's fair. All the boys turned their chest to the camera to show their logos. She just happens to have bat bosoms. That's fine. Let's not run from reality. And it's time to unite as the Bat Family. No, not like a cool, good version of the Bat Family we have in the comic books, but nonetheless, Batgirl is here. Get used to it. I like Batgirl, don't get me wrong. And That sounded like a real toxic male sort of thing. I just not a big fan of this version of Batgirl. But it's the only one I got. Because, you know, that Batgirl movie ain't coming out. Robin arrives at the bathhouse, or the the Turkish bath, I guess. I guess it's all the same at this point, to be honest with you. And that's where the Robin signal was located, okay? So he, he was able to track it down. He takes a big, deep breath before he goes in, like, you got this, you got this, you got this, you got this, don't fuck it up. Like he's, a, like he's one of the boys from American Pie on prom night. Robin, it's gonna happen. She's a college chick. Inside, the Turkish bath is now a full overgrown garden with vines everywhere. Now, some would say we're about to push it one step too far, but I'm saying it's about fucking time. As Robin makes his way in, the vines sort of move. They clear a path for Robin, showing him the way to go. Now, I like this. This is Poison Ivy's main power, controlling plant life. It's about time we got to it. Like, All the movie has cared about is Poison Ivy being sexy and kissing and all this shit. Here we go, finally. The true power of Poison Ivy. What makes her one of the most powerful rogues out of all of them? Someone to be feared. And I'm serious. Poison fucking Ivy. Now, because it's 1997's Batman and Robin by Joel Schumacher, the plants also kind of like giggle and laugh at Robin as he's walking like, hee hee hee, you're about to see a boob. (laughs) Seriously, the vines are like, hee hee. Oh, oh. Like, it's very weird, okay? Now, in the center is a big Venus flytrap throne. It spreads open wide like a vagina, okay? And Poison Ivy's here in her final costume. Now, there's like a, sort of like a a, a moat in front of her, kind of-ish, but it's, it's up to down instead of left to right. It doesn't matter, but there's lily pads on it. So Robin's got to play an insane game of Frogger. Jerry! Jerry, Robin's got to play the Frogger. He's never going to make it, Jerry. He's got to play Frogger. He's leap over the lily pads to get to her. It's fun. Now, Robin, it, this whole fucking scene. I feel like every line of dialogue in this scene was pulled out of the script when they gave it to the actors to sell them on the job. Because we're in Pun City. Or just fucking... Double entendre city. We're, we're in a city of some sorts, Gotham City. But yeah, there's a lot of bad dialogue here. Upon seeing Poison Ivy, is your thumb the only part of you that's green? Now! I've had questions about this one for some time. Is he? Is this a carpet drapes type of question? Like, your thumb's green because you're a gardener, but your hair's red. What's your pussy hair look like? Oh my god, Robin! Jesus fucking Christ! Watch your goddamn mouth. No, but on all serious, and that was and I that was kind of vulgar. I apologize, but like seriously, is this a carpet drapes question or, and this is what I've always been under the impression of, is he making sure that she isn't? And I'm doing the finger quotes thing, green, 
Like we used to say back in the seventh grade, that girl's green. Don't go out with her. She's green. You know, like to say that they're a prude or something. I don't know the origins of that phrase. It's stupid. It's dumb. If you're in the seventh grade, folks, you should be a prude, regardless of gender, because you don't know what the fuck you're doing, okay? But green was this derogatory term uh, that people would toss around about individuals, and hopefully it stopped. Number one, because it's lame. Think of something better, youth of America. But come on. So, is he making sure that she gets down and fucks? Are you serious? I need to know that you're serious about turning over a new leaf. I need a sign. How about slippery when wet? (laughs) Okay, I kind of like that one. That's pretty funny. (laughs) Um, It's rather fun. Tell me your plan, Poison Ivy. Kiss me and I'll tell you my plan. Tell me and I'll kiss you. So Poison Ivy, to lure Robin in, door trap, straight up just spills the beans about the plan. She could have easily lied to him just in case. Mr. Freeze is going to freeze Gotham Harbor so boats can't deliver any food and people go hungry. See, I did it right there! That means if this falls through and Batman is listening, he just goes to Gotham Harbor and waits around with a stub up his ass. Anywho... Robin's like, oh, jeez, I gotta go. <laughs> like that dude, Damone, that comes in fucking for Jason Lee at Fast Times at Richmond High. <laughs> they have sex for like one second. He's like, oh, oh, jeez, Stacy, I gotta go. <laughs> God, I love that movie. Uh, but she stops him. Let me give you a kiss for luck. They kiss! Finally! She laughs. Time to die, little Robin. But oh, no. Rubber lips are immune to your charms. He rips off some rubber fucking lips. It's a trap! I've been trying to tell you, Poison Ivy. So she pushes Robin into the water. Now, folks, Robin's wearing himself some fucking armor, and I'm not trying to say anything about gender-spatial strength relationships, but you gotta think Robin could handle this push. But he doesn't, and he lands in the water. But Batman is here. Oh, so sorry, Batman. My vines have a crush on you. And we finally see Poison Ivy physically control plant life when she makes some vines come down. They wrap around Batman's foot and they hold him upside down. Oh my god. They hold him upside down like Optimus Prime. That time Optimus Prime got his foot caught in a rope. Damn it. Sam Witwicky. Cade Yeager. I'm stuck in this rope upside down. Oh, wait, it's okay. Batman is here, too. Batman, can you help remove my foot from the rope? I'm stuck, too, Optimus. Damn it, Batman! You're Batman. I am Optimus Prime. How are these ropes stopping us from doing our jobs? We're pretty cool, but our one weakness is rope. So it looks like the boys are screwed, but wait! Batgirl crashes through the glass ceiling. You see what I did there? But she does fall through the glass roof ceiling type of thing. Like, that's a literal and a figurative fucking statement. You're about to become compost. Yes, she does say it like that. Now, it's a good thing that Barbara Wilson studied up on the villain that she was about to have to fight. That way she knew what puns to make. Because Poison Ivy has been in the shadows of this entire movie, never revealing herself to the public as a villain. Sure, 
she revealed herself to uh, the folks at the Botanical Garden, you know, Colonel Rob Parker in Harlem Heat. Harlem Heat! Did you tell Poison Ivy? Did, did you tell Gotham City that Poison Ivy was a bad girl? Yeah, I took a break and I went down to talk to the Gotham newspaper. Hoo-hoo! <laughs> Harlem Heat! You don't actually get any breaks. I don't think you understand how this actually works. Alright, that's a wrap on Colonel Parker and Harlem Heat, I swear. Um... Anywho, they fight. It's bad. It's very poorly choreographed. Batgirl shames Poison Ivy for trying to cash in on her looks. Poison Ivy uses a vine as a whip. Bad idea. You're just making me think of Catwoman. Robin comes up from air, or comes up for air, and gets yanked back down by a plant. Okay. Now, director Joel Schumacher shows us that Robin pops up for air and gets pulled back down by recording Robin, or Chris O'Donnell, popping his head out of the water, and just rolling the footage in reverse, like we wouldn't notice. God damn it. As uh, Poison Ivy then has Batgirl on the ropes and delivers a line that will ultimately damn her, as I told Lady Freeze when I pulled her plug, this is a one-woman show. Barbara nips up, hits the phenomenon, almost said hits the uh, fucking... Uh, what's the forearm that Shawn Michaels does? I say it all the time. You know what? The, it's too late. The joke's gone. What's it called, though? It's going to bug me. The forearm. Eh, who cares? Uh, Poison Ivy pulls out a knife. She takes a moment to check her hair in the reflection of the knife. Nice. But she's easily disposed and kicked into the Venus flytrap throne and yells, CURSES! Pause. For decades, I have tried to figure this out, folks. As she yells curses, the Venus fly tramp trap like closes its vagina mouth and captures Poison Ivy inside, thus removing her from the rest of the movie until the very end. Why? I, she controls plant life. I get it's a Venus fly trap, but Ivy should be able to mentally... Go- I don't understand this. I don't. I've been trying to figure it out. If you know what's up, tell me. Please. Please. My biggest fear is I'll die without knowing. Um, our heroes meet for the first time, and you are Batgirl! That's not awfully PC. What about Batperson? Or Batwoman? Bruce, it's me, Barbara! I found the Batcave. Did, did she think he wouldn't know who she was? We gotta change those locks. She knows who we are. Guess we'll have to kill her. Uh, yeah, that's right. We'll kill her later. We have work to do! And they all run out triumphantly to the theme music. Uh, I'm sad to report the naked man holding the telescope in the sky is now completely covered in ice. Mr. Freeze is ready to go, and he says, let's kick some ice. Now Freeze turns on the engine, and the fucking telescope is a giant freezing cannon. Not a bad idea, I suppose, okay? You know what's off-putting to me? How does he control the telescope, making it move left to right, up to down, where to shoot? He's taken the time to install a joystick. The exact same joystick that his rocket had all the way back in the opening scene. If you'll recall, we caught Mr. Freeze playing with his joystick and it was like... And he's like, oh, yes. Well, he plays with his joystick here. And ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Freeze line number 50. Oh, yes. The exact same thing. 
He freezes various parts of Gotham City. We see Gothamites frozen. Cops frozen. Cop cars frozen. Ice is clearly plastic. Uh, a dog's about to pee on a fire hydrant. Well, he gets frozen with his leg lifted up. Mr. Freeze, line 51, upon viewing the carnage. Yes! 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 He even shoots the freezing ray right at the camera, and it envelopes our view. But, coming out of the view, we're on Main Street! Down on Main Street! Just like that, just like that song! Down on Main Street! Down on Main Street! It's completely frozen over, but the triumphant trio of Batman, Robin, and Batgirl are here! And they've brought some new toys for all of you parents to purchase for your kids. Seriously, first off, they all have new uniforms that are like deep blue with silver patches on them. That's never explained by the film, but I guess these are anti-freeze suits. They can't be frozen. Would have been nice for the movie to explain it. And even though they don't name the new vehicles that they're driving, each character has a brand new ice repellent vehicle that they're driving with the same armor and their own logos attached to them even though we didn't know Batgirl was a thing uh, and I know the names of them God help me Batman is driving the Bat Hammer which kind of looks like the Bat Skiff the Ski Skiff from Batman Returns but not as cool and it has blinking neon lights or blinking lights like it's a goddamn arcade machine where do you put the quarter on this thing does it fuck you I'm losing it Robin is in the bat sled, a giant sled with a fucking fan behind it. It's so dumb. In a movie full of nonsense, Robin's bat sled takes the cake. It's got a fan. Batgirl's riding a motorcycle called the Bat Blade. Like I said, it's a good thing we planned for Batgirl, even though we didn't know she'd be a thing. Cool name, though. We're better than the rest. Uh, She also has a cow. Which I prefer. I think it's like a motorcycle helmet, but she has a cow like she does in the comics and what have you. Uh, George makes the call. We have 11 minutes to thaw the city. But first, it's time for the Batman and Robin on Ice Stunt Show! Unfortunately, I feel like that sweet intro writes a check that this scene is not exactly willing to cash. Now, I'll say this. It is time for a, a vehicle-based ice battle because Frosty shows up in the freeze dildo mobile, okay? But the set's nice. The model work is fun, okay? We talked about the sled and the vehicle design. However, Frosty starts shooting some rockets at the family, and well, I mean, we're, we're at Dwayne Gill level of pyro and explosion with these rockets. It's really bad, and it looks super cheap, but flip side, you know, I can touch the bat hammer. I can touch the bat blade. I can touch the bat sled. I can touch even the goddamn Mr. Freeze car because it's all real. You know, it's not CGI, so I give it massive credit for that. Strange moment, though. Speaking of things you can touch... Batgirl seems to take a rocket to the chest or something. I don't know what happened, but but like a sparkler explodes in front of her, and she goes flying. Another blatant disrespect to the laws of physics here. She flies like straight up. The bat blade keeps driving itself. Rabin uh, maneuvers the bat sled to catch her. He's like, I got you, bitch. No, he doesn't say that. That's terrible. Why would he say something like that? 
Uh, but he gets her back on the bat blade that, like I said, continues to drive completely linear on its as if predetermined trajectory, and Batgirl is safe. The Bat Hammer takes the lead, and then the nerve of Akiva Goldsmith Academy Award winning screenplay writer. I mean, it makes sense to include this line of dialogue, but all it does is make me think of Batman memories paused. Because Bruce maneuvers the Bat Hammer, puts the, like, ice-repellent wing up, and goes, Shield! Which just makes you think of Michael Keaton and Kim Basinger running and him going, Shields! And the Batmobile, whoop, 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 doing the shields from Batman 89. This causes the ice that Frosty's shooting at the Bat Hammer to reflect back onto the dildo mobile. It freezes. Frosty jumps out, letting us know that Batman didn't kill, if that's still a thing here. And the three vehicles fly off or drive off to the observatory. And the music score stings with some horns going, which is just a cheap way to do Batman. Man, like it's the Batman 60s show. Your viewership uh, or your mileage may vary on that one. Mr. Freeze sees that the triumphant trio is driving towards him in their bat vehicles, and we get Mr. Freeze line 52. He speaks to Bane. I'll finish off the city. You kill the kids, but leave me the bat. Now, Arnold Schwarzenegger is channeling his best, like, Power Rangers villain. Because as he's saying this, he's moving his hands a lot. And he ends up doing, like, a, yeah, Macaulay Culkin clenched fist, like, thrust downward when he says, leave me the bat. And Bane has a line. Bane is supposed to go, bat. But Freeze, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the actor, is waiting for Bane to say his line. And he ends up in this clenched fist pose, completely still. He doesn't even blink for about two and a half seconds, and it just leaves him hanging there exposed as a buffoon. The Bat family arrives. They use their grappling hooks, as they're to do in this scene like a thousand times, to rappel up to the uh, observatory. And now the big, full, complete Gotham Observatory set is revealed. It's big. You can touch it. The telescope is even here. You can touch it. And for some reason, Joel Schumacher has included some more spotlights. There are planets everywhere. It's like There's spotlights of planets revolving around. Like, I t- Where were these things earlier? Who turned them on? I just... I don't know. Uh, Batgirl immediately pisses me off by throwing away her cow. She just tosses it to the side. Now, I will say this. Uh, Academy Award-winning screenwriter Akiva Goldsman decides to have some fun with the screenplay here because the Bat family is about to have a decent amount of what I'm calling inclusional conversations. Now, what does that mean? Akiva Goldsman uses all three members of the Bat family to give us complete sentences or thoughts. What, well, what, is, what would that sound like? Here's a good example. Now, I'm going to do my character voices here. Let's get a quick refresh. Batman is a more serious Batman voice. Batgirl's the Batgirl voice. And for some reason, Robin, for the last hour or so, has sounded like Peter Griffin. So he'll be Peter Griffin. <laughs> you know, my stomach's kind of growling. Well, that means you're hungry. <laughs> so, so, so that's happening, okay? 
Uh, we use some bat heaters to thaw the scientists. You telling me it hasn't been 11 minutes? I think these nutballs are frozen for good. Because if you recall, these nutballs were frozen before the Poison Ivy fight. And there's only eight minutes left to save Gotham. So we know three minutes have passed since the bat hammer battle. So what the fuck? Here comes an inclusional conversation. <clears throat> Sunlight can reverse the freezing process. Well, sunrise isn't for five hours here, but it's morning in Congo. If we can relay the sunlight from the other side of the equator, it'll take the satellites about a minute to realign, but damn, damn, damn's not good. Those targeting mirrors are frozen. The thawing beam won't work. All right, I'll set the telescope. You two thaw the mirrors. And so the kids go to the edge of the telescope. Batman hacks the satellite net. Batman is also looking through the magnifying glass lens of the telescope. Mr. Freeze's gigantic mouth appears on the other end. Tonight's forecast, a freeze is coming. There's so much mouth here, by the way. Bats is tossed off the telescope. The scope starts to move up and down, so Batgirl and Robin get tossed off and start falling off the observatory mountain to their doom. Mr. Freeze, line number 52. Bye-bye! <laughs> but don't worry, all you kidsters out there. Robin and Batgirl, surprise, use their grappling hooks to hook onto some shit and save themselves. The scientists wake up from the unfreezing process. Now, Mr. Freeze has Batman dangling off the end of the telescope, and he's going to ram him into stuff. That's a pretty sufficient idea. Mr. Freeze line number 53. <laughs> yes! Batman slips off the edge of the telescope, but purposely hangs onto the telescope by letting his feet dangle off of some metal bars. And now the Batman is hanging upside down off the edge of the telescope like a bat. To emphasize the point, he even crosses his arms so he's in a full bat pose. And, you know, Free starts ramming the edge of the telescope into shit. He knocks into the little terrace where the scientists were standing. So now the goddamn scientists are hanging off the edge of the telescope, too. This is amusing to a Victor Freeze, because Mr. Freeze, line number 54, <laughs> yes! Now, Batman, still dangling, kind of a cool move here. He shoots his grappling hook up into the telescope. He lets his feet go. Uh, the, of course, weight carries him down. He uses his momentum to flip and snaps up like a rubber band and kicks Mr. Freeze. And the clock tells us there's only five minutes left. Robin and Batgirl have landed below the telescope on, I guess, a different cave here in Observatory Mountain. It's a big-ass place. Uh, Bane shows up and lifts Batgirl and Robin by the throats. We cut back to the scope. Freeze and Batman are fighting for control. The scientists are getting ping-pawed around at the edge of the scope. But in a fun callback to the wrestling coverage here at the new TNN podcast feed... Batman and Mr. Freeze start trading punches. Freeze lands a punch. They're like, boo. Batman lands a punch. They're like, yeah. So is this the origin of the yeah, boo punches? They even heckle Mr. Freeze when he tries to stab the Batman and yell, dirty fighter, dirty fighter. <laughs> 
Oh, those nutballs. Back at the cave of an observatory mountain, Robin figures out to kick Bane's tube, the tube that feeds venom to him, and he's like, kick the tube. I mean, they do. The tube starts spraying venom everywhere, and Bane shrinks down to his normal size. Luckily, his gigantic spiked dick codpiece remains the same, and he's all like, Excuse me, Johnny C., why are you shaming Tiny Bane? Tiny Bane is still a Bane. All right, Bane, tell you what, this show is becoming the Bane of my existence, so can we please? All right, Johnny, very well. I'll see you in Gotham City next Harvey Dent Day. <laughs> wow, I don't know what that's all about. Uh, back at the telescope, Batman is getting choked, but pulling one out of the utility belt, he attaches a bat heater that will shoot radiating, pulsating heat onto Mr. Freeze's armor. Hey, Freeze, the heat is on. Punch! And Mr. Freeze flips over the rail, crashing onto the freezing engine, crushing it into a thousand pieces. He's also eliminated from the Royal Rumble as he was tossed over the railing to the floor. Four minutes left to unfreeze the city. Batman hacks the net some more, and sunlight from the Kango starts to reflect down onto the mirrors and into the telescope. Some even gets on Mr. Freeze, and he groans like a baby. Literally, because they show him laying flat back on the ground, and he even is like flailing his arms like... Bruce is able to take the sunlight that's being reflected off the mirrors and shoot it out of the telescope like it's some sort of a laser beam. It even pulsates, for God's sakes. What, what's with the pulsating? You've lost, Freeze. Mr. Freeze line 55. I think not. Bombs away, Batman! Mr. Freeze triggers the bombs. You know, the icicle bombs. Boom! Those ones... And the telescope starts to crash through the floor. The whole mountain starts to kind of collapse, I guess, because Robin and Batgirl's little area starts to shake. They leave Tiny Bane for dead, by the way. They don't rescue him. So, so much for that rule. Uh, We cut to Mr. Freeze lying on the ground. He yells, Freeze in hell, Batman! But Batman leaps. The telescope is crashing down to the ground. The scientists are falling. Don't worry, guys. Batman comes fully equipped with multiple grappling hooks and saves them. They're just trying to redo the ending of Batman Forever where he saves Chase and Robin. He saves himself, too. The scientists are safe on the ground. He rappels up, grabs Robin and Batgirl, and all three are back in the lab. Uh-oh! Most of Gotham City's still frozen, though. That pulsating sunlight laser only got a few pieces. And there's only one minute left and no telescope. Well, the satellites could shoot the light onto Gotham directly instead of the mirrors. But but that would take some sort of a computer genius. A- any volunteers? I'm on it. No, I'm on it. Uh, Robin and Batgirl do some flirt hacking because they kind of flirt while they hack. And Batgirl does it. Light rains down on Gotham City. Everyone is safe, even the dog, who is going to take a piss. But we have one more conversation to have with the good doctor. And this is the last time I'm going to say it, folks. God help me. Another decent, quiet moment.
I'm taking you back to Arkham. Mr. Freeze, line 56. Guan, kill me too, just as you killed my wife. Sadly, Arnold restrains himself and doesn't go full predator with the, Come on, kill me! Do it, I'm right here! Come on! Come on! Come on? Come on, kill me, I'm right here. Uh, Batman says, I didn't kill your wife. He pulls out a bat recording device and shows him the exact clip of Ivy saying, when, as I told Lady Freeze when I pulled her plug, this is a one-woman show. Mr. Freeze, line number 57, upon reviewing the footage. <laughs> but she's not dead. We found her. Restored her. She's still frozen. Alive. But waiting for you to find a cure. Mr. Freeze, line 58. She lives? Yes. But vengeance isn't power. Anyone can take a life, but to give life. That's true power, a power you once had. Mr. Freeze, line 59. She's alive. So I'm asking you, Victor Freeze, help me save another life. Show me how to cure McGregor Syndrome Stage 1. And maybe you can also save the life of the man your, one, your wife once loved. He's still inside you, Victor, buried deep beneath the snow. Will you help me, Doctor? Mr. Freeze pulls two vials out of his wrist gauntlet. I guess that's a safe enough place to keep the cure for cancer, but whatever. Mr. Freeze line number 60. Take two of these and call me in the morning. (laughs) Batman promises Victor he'll get him a lab and his wife safely transported to Arkham. Mr. Freeze nods in agreement. Back at Wayne Manor, our heroes attach the cure to Alfred's IV drip. All we can do is wait and hope. Back at Arkham Asylum, Poison Ivy is waiting too. She's in a cell, picking a flower's leaves off, waiting to die. With each leaf she does, he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me? He loves me not. He loves me... Mr. Freeze, line 61. Not! Surprise! I'm your new cellmate, and I've come to make your life a living hell. Prepare for a bitter harvest. Winter has come at last. Well, a pseudo-face turn for Mr. Freeze, I suppose. And it is Arnold Schwarzenegger. I guess you want to leave the character off in a good place. And I'll say this. For all the terrible lines he's had in this film. Not a bad way to go out. Especially the prepare for a bit of harvest. Winter has come at last. Side effect of this living situation though. Is it going to be weird when they have to get dressed? Also... HBO Max, you're always looking for new content. Uma Thurman's still alive. Arnold Schwarzenegger's still alive. Their crimes were pretty dastardly. I'd have to assume they're still in Arkham Asylum. Can we get an HBO Max program about wacky roommates that don't get along? It's Ivy and Freeze. Ivy and Freeze. He's always complaining. She will sneeze. Achoo! I ain't rhymed with Freeze. What do you want from me? It's been like six hours. At Stately Wade Manor, Alfred wakes up, and he's like, Oh, 
goodness, someone needs to, needs to clean up this mess. Everybody's happy. A big group hug. Batman tells the kidsters he believes in them. Barbara is going to stay. Partners? Partners. Partners. We're going to need a bigger cave. And our heroes triumphantly run in the silhouette of the bat signal towards the camera. Shades of Batman forever. The end. Yes. 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 All right, everyone, chill out. Johnny C here now from the real world with freshly recorded material for the ending of our saga of Batman and Robin on Junkman. All three episodes complete. Jesus. Well, was it junk? I thought about this long and hard. Away from everything that I've watched. Away from the meticulous note-taking. Away from the ice puns. Away from the quiet moments. Away from brain impressions. All that shit. And here's the conclusion that I've come to. And I'm not going to rock anybody's world here. It's just what I think. The the idea of this movie, to me, is junk. Like, the idea of doing this big, colorful, silly version of Batman is, is a bad idea. It's a bad idea because I feel like it betrays your core audience. Now, this is 1997. Did we even know what the core audience was? I, I don't know. We're in a completely different interconnected world where comic book movies are a dime a dozen and taking a risk like this is would never be uh, greenlit. It just is would never ever happen. This is a truly unique experience. Uh, years later, you know, we kind of wrapped all the way back around. We had Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy and the culture embraced Lego Batman. Now look, Big difference between the two properties, okay? I'm not comparing them apples to apples. It's kind of unfair because the big difference was we knew what we were getting into with Lego Batman. Like, it's obviously... I mean, look, I, I get it. I'm not an idiot. They're completely different. But but we sure did laugh at kind of making fun of all the sillier aspects of Batman between the characterization, the gadgets, the villains, all that stuff. We were ripe to make fun and to have fun with it because it was something we loved and we were kind of all on the same page. Back in 97 with Batman and Robin, we were not. So I feel like the idea is absolutely, completely junk. When it comes to our principal characters... You know, Robin and Batgirl are kind of non-factors. They sort of cancel each other out. Like, Robin's not interesting. Chris O'Donnell's not that good in this movie. Alicia Silverstone's Barbara is very uninteresting, and she's really bad in this movie. I'm sorry. Um, Uma Thurman, I enjoy. I enjoy her disconnected from what Poison Ivy actually is. Like, she's having fun. She's doing a performance. She's consistent. Arnold is all time. I'm sorry. Yeah, yes, all of this, all of these actors' information I'm giving you, with, done with the preface that this idea 
of doing this film this way is a bad idea. But since you're doing it this way, Arnold is fan-fucking-tastic. So many awful lines. So many ridiculous performance choices. I mean, how many times did we make note of the times when his lines are just Arnold noises? I mean, they're here. I'm not making them up. So Arnold and Uma are cornerstones of this thing. They carry quite a bit of the load. George Clooney is sort of hung out to dry with the nonsense that is surrounding him. His quiet moments with Alfred, though, as we've dissected ad nauseum on the show, I enjoyed quite a bit. Michael Goh is great as Alfred. That, that's notwithstanding. I mean, it goes without saying. Um, what this film has really done to me is opened my eyes. I want George Clooney to get another chance. It'll never happen. He'd probably never even want to do it or even give a fuck. But George Clooney as an aged, angry Bruce Wayne Batman from the Dark Knight Returns era, like an adaptation of the Dark Knight Returns with Clooney as the version of Bruce Wayne that has absolutely snapped. I'm here for it. Give me some of that from Dust Till Dawn, Fury and Fire, and, and fucking give me some circles under his eyes. And, you know, he's got all the gray hair, and he's got a menacing voice if he just uses it. So, I... I give George like a thumbs up because I'm not going to ding him for the script when he had shit to chew in or chew on, you know, it was, it was good and it was worthwhile. So what's the final verdict? You might say it's not junk. I did it. I just had to blurt it out. Why? Why is it not junk? It's too much fun to be junk. Still a very bad idea. But what's not a bad idea, folks, is, well, number one, I'm trying to use that as a pivot. Uh, a not a bad idea is to thank you. To thank anyone that made it this far. Because I loved doing this. And I loved doing it so much, I gave you everything. Was it too long? Probably. But thank you so much. It means the world to me. And if you enjoyed it, Make sure you subscribe to the new TNN podcast feed so you get notified whenever one of our many shows drops live and in living color. I'm Johnny C. And winner is you. <laughs>